What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, December 26, 2021, and it is the 2021 MMA Daily Award Show. We'll be talking about the biggest performances, the individuals who brought them, and all of the news and fun stuff in between. So pick up your popcorn, enjoy the show, curl up with your favorite Christmas gift, and just kick back and listen to us. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad, all that good stuff. We got the uh, Happy New Year to look forward to. But uh, otherwise, I mean, what a year. And uh, hmm, what else can I add? Oh, I'm so full. <laughs> I've just been eating nonstop. And it's a weird thing, right? Because it's uh, usually right about now we'd take a week off. But I was like, you know, we're either going to just like skip a week, do a show, skip another week and come back. Or we're just going to knock out the awards and... You know, you guys will hear from us probably early next month um, after the first UFC event. So, yeah, you know, it was just one of those things. I'm feeling that Christmas hangover. I, you know, like the TV's right over there. I didn't have to work today yet, so it's like, ah, you know, what am I worried about? You know, what a what what's the rush? And then I'm like, ah, we got one more show. Let's just kill it. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I'm 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 happy to recap the year, and it was really fun going back to look at what I forgotten about. You know, like it's easy to think, oh yeah, you know, the fights from the last couple of months, those are fresh in your mind. It's easy to just start picking best this, best that from only that group. But if you go back to the whole year, it's like, holy moly, what a year we've had in MMA. So that was all. That was really refreshing to be reminded about, and. Um, and uh, yeah, a little Christmas hangover, a little tamale hangover, more like it. <laughs> you know, we were talking about off air. I got like this big robe and it's just like I look like M'Baku from the Black Panther movie. It's just so warm and cozy. And I live in Southern California. So it's like the first minute I'm in it. It's like, ah, and then like 15 minutes later, I'm just sweating in it. And it's like, ah, oh, you know, so. <laughs> I almost need to make my house cold just so I can enjoy it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you got to open the window when it rains and then you... <laughs> exactly. But yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's like, you know, I'm ready to chill too. But yeah, let's get into it. So I always like to start the award show with this category. I think it sets a good tone and I think that it just makes for a lot of fun. So once again, guys, we'll talk about all your favorites. Kick back, relax, or wherever you're listening to us. Category number one. Most WTF story of the year. Sometimes I call it the most unusual, but I didn't think that would cut it in 2021. And that's saying something. So, um, spoiler alert, uh, Natalie and I picked the same one. So I'll just introduce it, and I don't think I even need to say anyone's name. You're going to know who I mean. (laughs) Famous YouTuber uses MMA fighters to become a combat sports superstar. So, yeah, fast forward, or sorry, rewind about actually a little earlier than this time last year. And Jake Paul knocks out Nate Robinson, who, despite being a professional basketball player for years, was somehow absurdly shorter than him. 
and Jake Paul knocks him out. And if you told me that he was going to start smoking some of the best MMA fighters we've seen, guys with names, guys, guys who have been around the block, and he was going to become probably, I'll say, top five most talked about combat sports athlete between MMA and boxing. That's including your Conor McGregor's, Tyson Fury's, Joshua. You know, I, I really feel like Jake Paul, he entered a very special stratosphere. And 2021, he did that essentially by just selling this story, MMA fighters can't beat him in boxing. Now, there's a lot of caveats to that statement, but the fact is that's the story he sold, and that's the story that he sold well. And it turned into dollars, it turned into attention, and if you told me that we're going to be talking about Jake Paul fighting the guys he did and doing what he did, I would have told you, you need to calm down soon. And now young kids are telling me, like, look, Jake Paul's the you-know-what. You need to calm down, Gramps. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> it hurts me in my soul, but it's the truth. So, Natalie, why don't you talk about it? Yeah, Gramps. Um, <laughs> the genius of Jake Paul, and I hate having to say the genius of Jake Paul, but <laughs> the genius of Jake Paul for, for you know, his run against MMA um, champions, former MMA champions, was in his matchmaking. I mean, when he picked Ben Askren, I was like, Ben Askren's gonna lose this fight. I mean, if to me, just because if you watch enough of Ben Askren trying to do anything on his feet, you know, I was like, you don't even have to have much boxing prowess at all, much experience to be able to outbox Ben Askren. Now, I didn't anticipate a knockout like that and so quickly, but I certainly knew that Jake Paul would beat him, which was disappointing having to watch the lead up and all the hype and everything, knowing how it was going to end and that I still paid full price for that fight. Okay. When he picked Tyron Woodley, I thought, okay, finally, we have something here now. Yes, Tyron Woodley has was in a slump at the end of his UFC career, but his fight against Vicente Luque, he looked like he had some fire back, even though he lost. And, you know, we know how that fight went down. It was boring, uneventful, and the decision went to Jake Paul. Okay, great. Then finally, he's going to fight someone who's a boxer, Tommy Fury. And I'm thinking, okay, now we'll finally get this, this whole Jake Paul, you know, circus shut down. Fury pulls out, Woodley steps in on short notice, and I'm watching the all-access, and I'm like, okay, Woodley looks good hitting that bag, better than he did last time. I think he's going to do something. Now, we recapped the fight last week, so I won't get into it, but we all know what happened. And so it's just like, why, why, is, why, is, why are these MMA fighters agreeing to fight Jake Paul, who's taller, bigger, stronger than them? And it's not like a mark on them. Like, literally, like, we have weight classes for a reason. Why are they agreeing to fight him? For money. Why is Jake Paul picking them? Because he can beat them. Because he's bigger than them. Like, that's literally all it is. So, what I'm looking forward to for 2021 as regards to Jake Paul is that he finally starts matching himself up with people his own size. Even if he's still doing MMA fighters, okay, fine. But at least fighters your own size. Anderson Silva would be great. I can't think of anybody else. Maybe Vitor Belfort. Is Vitor too big for him? I don't know. But 
that's what I want to see for 2021 because I know Jake Paul and you know Jake Paul fighting box MMA fighters in the boxing ring is not going away. We're gonna at least have another big year of him doing this. Unfortunately, I mean to me the big thing was always the pitch, right? I mean Tommy Fury, I said it. It was just you look at him at the weigh-in, and you know he's just bristling with muscles and all that. And you're talking about a guy who, if he weighed in the same for MMA, he would be around like a middleweight, you know, maybe, I put it this way, he'd be one of those guys who has one heck of a cut to 170, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he is struggling to deal with this guy who fought, I believe, at 45, no greater than 55 in uh, Bellator, in Anthony Taylor, and he's struggling to hurt this guy or knock him oh, down. Wow. Wow. And I think I always felt like, okay, you know, Jake Paul could not have found a better boxer, more fitting. You know, sorry, Tommy had his own, you know, background. He had his own fan base coming in with the Love Island stuff. He's Tyson Fury's younger brother, et cetera, et cetera. And, And, you know, finally someone his size. But then I was like, Jake Paul couldn't have found a better person to quote-unquote step up against. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you you talked about it. Tommy, you know, withdrew. I did see the thing. Tommy did a whole, you know, virtual press conference. And he said, I'll take him out in March. And I just will say this. I don't think Jake Paul's interested in fighting again in March. I think that he really is taking his vacation now. But yeah, you know, when you talk about the MMA fighters... um, I said it last week, I'll say it again, you know, if there's one surprise I really had with it is that Jake Paul's boxing exceeded expectations. Jake Paul's boxing is at a level where it's going to be very difficult for a guy who is undersized to outbox him and beat him. Mm -hmm. Because Tyron Woodley is athletically very powerful. Plenty of boxing experience, plenty of this and that behind him. Um, and, and you could see he just very bluntly struggled with the size of Jake Paul. Jake Paul wants money fights. He wants Maz Vidal. He wants Nate Diaz. He wants Conor McGregor. He has these big names who conveniently are probably going to give up another 15 to 20 pounds on fight night to him. And look, I get it. They want money. He wants money. He knows he's not going to really get too hurt fighting those guys, even if they do come ready to bang. That's just what the game he's playing. And truth be told, I think that you really do have to be around Generation Z to understand this guy's mass amount of fame. Um, I have heard it. I've seen it. I've read it. You've got teenagers who grew up knowing the words to all of Jake Paul's diss tracks. Natalie, no offense, but did you know Jake Paul had a diss track? No, man, I I didn't know Did you know he had multiple? Is he just like ragging on people? What's he doing? I think it's like other YouTubers that he quote-unquote beefed with. But my point being is like, you gotta be a certain generation to maybe understand why he's so famous. It's like if you ask a grandpa, why is the current star of the Disney Channel so popular? I mean, you know, <laughs> someone, ask a kid who watches the show every week why so-and-so is so cool on Disney Channel, you know? Grandpa and parents probably aren't, you know, maybe parents because they're monitoring a bit, but you get what I mean? I, I think that when you talk about the digital age, you got to understand why he's able to get away with the matchmaking he does. Um, 
but yeah, my point being, he's entered a completely different universe in the combat sports world and he's in our orbit. And the way he's really propelled himself there is he's kind of taken all of that backing because when you're that famous, you have numbers that they see, Showtime and Triller see. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's able to command. He could call his shots the way he wants to. Now, once again, did he get a great opponents? Ben Askren? Absolutely. Tyron Woodley being as small as he is? Absolutely. Um, 2022, I'm with you. Someone his size. Uh, even, I'll say this, Anderson and Vitor with the age almost feel too perfect. But then again, we also saw what they did in their last fights. And it's easy to say that Jake Paul doesn't want that smoke. Mm-hmm. You watch uh, Tommy Fury's last fight. That seems like smokey that's more his size. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not the bonfire. He just wants a little, you know, trash can, warm up the hands kind of fire. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, that's really what it is. But once again, I mean, you're talking about a guy who essentially galvanized the fan base that watches MMA, that watches the Conor McGregor fights, that tune in and we know the UFC champions and we tune in for the big boxing fights and the good boxing fights that they promote. He galvanized those fan base, that fan base and he became one of the most talked about guys. He was t- they talked about him like they talked about Conor, remember? Mm-hmm. If you could sniff 155 pounds, you were calling out Conor. Right? Everyone was doing it. Yeah. Now, anyone who can sniff near uh, a possible fight, they're saying, I would totally love to beat up Jake Paul. And, you know, there's a lot of contractual obligations why that won't happen. But the fact is, that's where we're at. So, most W2EF story, MMA fighters have turned Jake Paul into a superstar in combat sports. He was already a big deal before this. Right. And there we are. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, crazy times in the kingdom, no? Yeah, I mean, look, we always say good for him because how many, you know, boxing fights have I been in with MMA fighters? None. It's just, you know, I can say good for him and also say he annoys me and I'll I'll leave it at that. I don't know. I mean, have you started that Machida karate you were talking about yet? No, because I moved. I was living closer to, where's he's like in Costa Mesa or something. And I moved... And I'm a little too far away now. So. <laughs> is there like a UFC gym by you? There is a UFC gym. So there's like the one I used to go to was in Torrance, is in Torrance. Now I go to the one in Rosemead. Okay. They don't put them close together <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, we'll try, my friend. Yeah. yeah 2023 is the year you make your comeback. <laughs> Looking at you, Machida. I'm coming. There you go. Um, let's talk about one of the bigger performances of the year, submission of the year. I'm going to go ladies first. Natalie, who is your pick for submission of the year? Okay, this was a, a tough one for me to pick the actual winner. I was, you know, between two, but I'm going with Brandon Moreno versus Davis and Figueredo 2, the rematch. Uh, Brandon Moreno, rear naked choke of Figueredo. What I love about this, the first fight with tw- between them was a draw. And I didn't expect that because Figueredo to me was this menacing figure in the flyweight division that hadn't existed before. Demetrius Johnson was undefeated and, you know, mythical, but he, to me, was never menacing. And he didn't charge at people the way Figueredo did. He didn't seem, 
you know, so much stronger and bigger than his opponents. He was just smarter, sharper, and, and you know, was able to beat them with all of his tools. Figueredo, for all the tools he does have, his size and power really was the thing that I saw being his dominating, uh, the dominating factor. So Brandon Moreno, who came from tough and all this stuff, I just thought, you know, I like him a lot, but I don't see this happening. He gets the draw in the first one. In the rematch, he makes very quick work of Figueredo. He comes out fast, aggressive in the first round. I recall when he was Moreno was holding Figueredo up against the cage and whipping these knees into his thighs, just like, you know, relentlessly. Round two, gets him down, works the uh, rear naked choke, you know, switches the arms, locks it in, and that's all she wrote. It was a big win for Brandon Figueredo, big win for Tijuana, Mexico. And, uh, well, you know, we have the the third, the rubber match coming up uh, January, start of next year. So I'm looking forward for that, to that. But I, I picked it because of the surprise it was to me to see Brandon Mano come out so quickly, efficiently, and relentlessly the way Figueredo used to fight uh, to defeat Moreno, to defeat the, the way Moreno did that to defeat Figueredo. So that's my uh, that's my pick. I have a runner up, but I'll let you go next with your uh, with your pick. No, uh, I, I like that one. Certainly, I think for the performance, I think when you look at that first fight, nobody expected even if you had Moreno winning to really, you know, create one way traffic the way he did. And um I mean, you could compare it, I, I think, maybe possibly even like Juliana Pena. Even if you had Pena winning, you did not script the kind of fight that Moreno had that night. And certainly, I think that in, um, what's a good way to put it? I think that when you think about the way some of these fights that ended in submission played out, even in the ones that were, um, what's it called, high stakes, like title fight or main event, something like that. I think that this is the one probably least likely you thought would end in a submission in the way it did. I think the others you could say, well, if they get into the ground, that's where they're going to do it. I think when you know what you know about Davison and the fact that we'd just seen five rounds with Brandon and we knew it was on short notice, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's what made it more impressive. And uh, I do know your runner up and um, I, I feel that that one... You know, similar reasons, but it was more expected, you, you know, considering who he was facing. But, um, yeah, I think in high stakes, I mean, you could have gone 1A or 1B on that criteria with a bunch of them. My pick actually, you know, more under the radar, but I feel like you got to give him credit. Anthony, Herdan <laughs> Anthony Hernandez subbing Rodolfo Vieira. Um, this one happened... I I think it might have been a main card. It might have even been a prelim bout. But if you look at Rodolfo Vieira on Wikipedia or look at a site that's very good at organizing uh, um, jiu-jitsu records like they do MMA records, mm -hmm. it's like all first place, all gold medals. Like Rodolfo is the guy who submits the submission guys. Mm. He had such a he has such a decorated jujitsu record. He's one of those guys similar to like a Gordon Ryan. Just if he's in it, he's probably gonna win it. You know, like you, it's like putting three hundred thousand dollars down on Amanda Nunes. It's very unlikely that he's not gonna win that submission competition, or sorry, grappling competition. And Anthony Hernandez rides out the storm, goes on to submit Rodolfo. And, you know, I, I like to award things with more degree of difficulty. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, the 
Anthony got that done. I don't think many people knew Anthony Hernandez, uh, you know, like a casual fan. And that was honestly probably one of the more impressive performances of the evening. If I'm not mistaken, I know I covered it, but I'm trying to remember which card. I think that was on the undercard of the Kamaru Usman-Gilbert Burns fight. Mm. And respectfully, that wasn't exactly this really super stacked pay-per-view. So to have Anthony come out and do that to a one of the best jiu-jitsu guys in the game right now, uh, that, that gives him my award for submission of the year. There weren't really that many crazy submissions out there in 2021, so I think being able to tap out a guy like Rodolfo, yeah, that, that, that is degree of difficulty in another way, so I gave it to him. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to the commentary in round one when Vieira takes down Hernandez, everyone's freaking out. Joe Rogan, Daniel Cormier, they're like, oh, no, this is over. I mean, Joe Rogan literally says this is over many times just because uh, Vieira took Hernandez down. And I give it to Anthony Hernandez for being super tough, scrappy, never quit. It was uh, it was pretty funny to, to hear how uh, how, like, decided for them the victory was for Vieira so so definitely a comeback for Hernandez I also like the cornering uh after round one where his team Hernandez's team tells him you know Vieira's exhausted like he's done <laughs> and you can see it when he walks back to his uh his stool he's beat I don't think he expected to have someone fight so effectively and so viciously against his his offense so it was definitely pretty cool if, yeah, if I'm Anthony Hernandez, that's the one that, like, no matter what happens in my career, I'm like, yeah, but I did this. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then for your honorable mention, if you want to shout him out. Sure. It's uh, Glover Teixeira, you know, taking out Jan Blachowicz. You know, the submission itself was, you know, nothing spectacular. It was uh, he just flattened out Jan Blachowicz, sunk in the choke, and that was it right in the middle of the cage. Um, so it wasn't a particularly tricky or, you know, um, uncommon submission, but it, I, I, I was reminded of how exciting the moment was and I felt that it should be, you know, sort of snuck in to the submission of the year section because Glover Teixeira winning the belt, defeating Jan Blachowicz, that was just a crazy, a crazy exciting moment that, uh, I can't remember exactly when it happened, but I feel like it was this last, the last part of the year. October, October yeah. yeah. The Halloween, mm-hmm. Halloween Eve card, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, that one is similar to kind of like how I told you with um, with a uh, Figueroa Moreno. I think when you know how good Glover is on the ground compared to Blahovich, that was really it for me because you knew Figueroa had grappling, and you know he gets subbed by Moreno. You knew Amanda had grappling, but subbed by, um, you know Pena. So, but. Tashira submitting Glover, sorry, Tashira submitting Jan, I'm getting so confused with the names. <laughs> that, that one really was not as unexpected. You had a feeling that most likely that's how he was going to do it if he was going to get out there, right? So I think that to me, I, I'd like the Moreno victory a little stronger by that criteria, yeah. like taking place in a high stakes bout because of those reasons that Figueredo was a better grappler, but... You know, obviously Glover submitting Blahovich and the Polish power nowhere to be seen. That one certainly was one of the more impressive ones. And we'll be touching on this one definitely later on in the show. But yeah, um, certainly, look, the submissions, that's one thing. 
But then we got to talk about the other side of the coin, the knockouts. And I think that there was one, I feel like it was kind of like last year. And I mean, truth be told, the category is stacked again. But just like last year, we had like so many fights of the year that it's like, man, just pick one and it'd be pretty fair. Yeah. Knockout of the year. I mean, we could sit here and just do the whole show on the knockouts. But what was your pick? So my pick for knockout of the year was Rose Namajunas versus Li Zhang. And uh, it, apart from it being a beautiful head kick knockout of, of uh, Wei Li, it was, I think, very surprising for fans to see Rose finish someone that decisively and that quickly. It was just a whole lot of drama. And it was on a good, you know, a, a big pay-per-view card, so a lot of attention. And as always, Rose just has the best things to say after her interviews, in her interviews, you know. So when she beat Joanna the first time, Rogan, Joe Rogan says, how does it feel? It feels like butter, right? This time, Joe Rogan says, I, I, I could hear you saying, I'm the best, I'm the best, before you came out. And she says, I am the best. You know, there's just great moments that go along with great victories for Rose Namajunas. So that was really thrilling unexpected and like just i mean a wicked highlight reel it's one of those that's just going to be thrown into the you know top 50 uh, knockouts that the ufc has the ones they use in their either their openings or in their uh big knockout shows or whatever yeah. so really really awesome on the way lee side like it was such a vicious knockout she didn't even know what had happened she was still trying to fight she thought the fight got you know, called early. So a lot of drama from her. And then we know that they rematched and they got uh, Rose won by a split decision. So it also helps to solidify Rose's legacy as just being like, you know, at this point, the best, I mean, look, Joanna has more, def uh, has defended her belt more so far, but I think Rose is on track to be the best, uh, the best straw weight, female straw weight, because she's, you know, look at her lineup. Um, you look at who she's had to, to defeat and how she's come back to defeat or not come back, how she's gone on to defeat Yoani and Jacek and Weili Zhang twice. Like that's pretty serious, man. Like you don't get any bigger than that. So pretty awesome moment. I'm was happy to, uh, to relive it and getting ready for the show. And uh, yeah, man, what'd you think of that one? You know, I remember being there and I remember um, like, I, I want to say that happened right i want to say that was the one that happened right after the anthony smith injury with your right sorry the chris weidman injury with uriah hall and oh, you know what you're right you're yeah right. i i just i mean that was such a weird kind of night because the prelims were good the main card was good it was just popping that night in jacksonville um but i just remember like everyone was so everyone was kind of locked in for a long fight and really i mean even when you think about Rose versus Jessica Andrade, the first fight, round one, and she's just looking like she has all the moves you could possibly want to have at straw weight. Um, I, I think to see her just kind of do that like an assassin, it was just so cold that it almost elicited a different kind of reaction. Because then obviously we were coming off the war, Wei Li, Joanna, five mm -hmm. rounds, pure carnage, pure action. Um, so it was quite the different one. I love it. I think that for me, had Wei Li, and I, I say this respectfully, had she hit the canvas a little harder, 
Rose probably would have taken the best UFC women's knockout away from Valentina. And the fact that Wei Li kind of recovered fast, that's like the only thing that kept Rose from taking it. Because everything about how you break it down, the kick between the guard, high stakes, was Rose ready for the championship again, etc., etc. All of it was just so cold. The the level of opposition in Wei Li. Remember, Wei Li was on a ridiculous win streak leading up to that. I mean, she'd been undefeated in like, what, 15 or something? It might mm-hmm. be more. All, honestly, I, I, can't, I didn't look at it off the top of my head. But she had not lost since like her debut. And here she was doing this. It, it was ridiculous. So, yeah, it, it was definitely a very worthy one. But I had to go a little bit later in the night. <laughs> Because you know what? There I was rolling up into Florida. First time to Florida. And everyone's talking about game bread, the BMF, the man who folds his pizza and drinks his mezcal showing up. And I'll be honest, Masvidal kind of rolled into that fight week. And even though Usman was on the win streak, Usman won the last one. All of the ingredients seemed to be there that this was a very winnable fight for Jorge Masvidal. Mm-hmm. And when I thought about it, you know, Masvidal on the feet on short notice, he was really doing work against Usman in the first fight. Then you take into account Usman had been badly hurt, almost finished by Gilbert Burns a couple months earlier in February. And so all of that gave you a lot of hope that Masvidal with the full camp He's going to have the moves to get the job done. And I thought about fights like with Cowboy Cerrone, like where he just really was on fire. And then you get out there and, you know, it's a close fight. It's a competitive one. Masvidal still revving up, but Usman happens to be the one who probably stays a little bit ahead in that first round. And I'd been talking uh, to people about it and I'd talking to another reporter and I said, The only thing that would be crazy, like the most crazy outcome that could happen is if Usman goes out there and he just KOs, starches Masvidal while they're fresh. While Masvidal is still fast and strong and quick and everything, all that stuff. And what happens that second round? Bang! Perfect right hand. It's beautiful in real time. It's beautiful in slow motion. The (laughs) pictures of it are awesome. Like all the sweat, just like a halo coming out of Masvidal. Just absolutely unconscious before he hit the canvas. Unconscious before he went from 90 degrees upright to 45 degrees at a, you know, at an angle. Just beautiful. Easy one for me, knockout of the year. There was some stuff. I mean, Corey Sanhagen, he had that saucer flying knee on Frankie. And Jiri looked good. And a lot of them looked good. But you know what? That had that shock factor. And it was in a big fight. It was unexpected. It was up against a guy who probably was expected to be the better striker. This one was an easy one for me personally. Yeah, it was truly unexpected, and I was going to say the same thing about the sweat. I mean, that's the thing. One of the things I, I think about a lot, you know, when I picture that moment is the sweat really just gets shot off of Masvidal's braids like a rocket. It just, you know, it just goes, and he, he, he collapses to the floor. He crumples. It was definitely shocking, unexpected, and like, yeah, I forgot that Weidman was on that card, and so you think about the order of events, Weidman, Rose, Chaos, Wei Lee, 
And then Usman Kale's Masvidal, it was definitely one of those shocking nights. It makes me think of like UFC, oh, geez. The one where Bisping loses and Cody Dillashaw. Uh, it was the MSG, like 207, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Rose. GSP beat, came back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, GSP came back. Rose beats Joanna, that one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I looked at it. The uh, the Weidman thing happened. Valentina fought after it wasn't Rose. But, you know, still, obviously, you know, we had a lot of emotions that night. It was just a, it was a weird broadcast to go through. Kind of like 268 with MSG. It's like you go through all the emotions of like the Anthony Smith fight. You know, he wins because the other guy hurts his ankle and we're still revving up. And then... The Weidman thing happens in the first kick and it's like, what? And it's, you know, your stomach flips and then Valentina, then Rose, then Kamaru. It's like, oof. That's a lot of emotions in like, what, the span of about an hour and a half, two hours, two hours maybe? So. Yeah, that's high drama. Oh, yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, San Hagen, Frankie, uh, that one also was wicked. Um, like, <laughs> just, you know, Frankie Edgar, that was, uh, he, he just, another one of those where it's just like light switch off. Um, but you mentioned Jerry Prochaska, Pro, Prochaska. Yep. And I was just watching that one today too against, um, oh my goodness. Dominic Reyes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Dominic Cruz. The head flop. Oh, you know, Ooh. he gets knocked out and then the way his head just flops around on the canvas, that, that was brutal, man. So, so it's definitely a contender there for knockout of the year for sure. And I also, Nganu Stipe, that's just cold. Um, yeah, the... Derek Lewis Curtis Blades mm-hmm. gets uh, gets Masvidal'd. Oh my gosh! I mean, they, like I said, there were a lot of style points out there. I mean, there were just a lot of good ones, but for me, it was like all the ingredients really went into the Masvidal Usman knockout. So that one to me. Also, the history for Usman. You know, I think he broke the record. I think he moved to fourteen. Like, I, I talked about it a bunch. There's like six or seven guys and girls tied for 13 wins in a row. So for mm-hmm. him to break it with that one, it was just huge. Um, You know what? So this one, we are split. Um, I'm going to go with this one. So news story of the year. So, you know, headlines and all that. Last year, it was kind of unavoidable. It was COVID. So that one kind of was a more like breaking news thing. For me, the story coming out of it, you know, there wasn't any one big announcement or game changer, really. There are a couple, but I think to me, really, like when I came out of it, when I looked at the year, it was really the fact that we had a lot of unexpected champions. And, you know, you could go just top to bottom. I mean, when you look at Charles Oliveira, um, most fights to win a UFC title, Brandon Moreno, almost cut, you know, he was cut from the UFC. Comes back, dominates to win the title. Glover Tashira, a lot of people thought, uh, you know, his time to get it done was over. Comes in, does that to Jan Blahovich, who's been on a run. Um, Juliana Pena, I mean, nothing else needs to be said on that one. Um, it, it was just like very, it was just proof it's not over till it's over. And I know people like to talk about Michael Bisping a lot, and rightfully so. Like, hey, you know. At the end of the day, you just go out there and you perform because you never know what could happen for your career. Misha Tate, you know, two losses to Ronda, stuck with it, wins the title against Holly, epic one too. And I think that 2021 was just a reminder for all of the veterans. It's like, 
it ain't over and we referenced this one i need to send you the clip but the only reason i know it is because it came up in cars you're not done until you say you're done (laughs) and i think that when you look at charles brandon glover you know what it's not over till it's over and you know that was my big takeaway from 2021 just there are a lot of great champions that look good but I think it was the underdogs having their moment that show they kind of just gave hope to everybody top to bottom on the roster. Yeah, it was definitely you're the underdog for uh, as far as championships champions go, and you know you can hear the the like the just true joy in Daniel Cormier's voice when Glover submits Jan Blahovitz. You know you can hear it when Charles Oliveira does the same to Dustin Poirier, like even when Juliana Pena beat a man, it is, I mean, everyone's freaking out at the commentary booth and the crowd. Like it's one of those things where even if you weren't a fan of the the fighter who, who just won, like you got to respect what they overcame to beat the champion, to become the champion. And, and that is, that is a really great part of MMA in 2021 is how often that happened with these uh these unexpected champions so i like that a lot what was your pick so i uh i like the i like my pick i should say is conor mcgregor and i sort of framed it weirdly in for you know for for our agenda as the continued decline of conor mcgregor and i i need to be more specific i, I don't necessarily mean the fighting skills of Conor McGregor, although there's a whole you know podcast you could go into on that, as far as committing to MMA, keeping your eye on the MMA prize, and and not getting distracted by prospects of you know boxing, because I think that was a big detriment to his first fight with Dustin Poirier. But just in general, I feel like the brand, the of Conor McGregor as this great breath of uh, fresh air in MMA, the great big name that you know transcends the sport. He still is that, but it's just getting more and more tarnished. And it's hard to believe now, like, who is the real Conor McGregor? Is he still the scrappy guy that came up from, you know, from nothing and, and talked his way and fought his way to the top, who built his fighting brand, who built his his you know whiskey brand and all that stuff the guy who just talked his way into a Floyd Mayweather fight and made himself a superstar like that was all exciting the double champ all these things that he was doing breaking through you know in MMA in the world and then like the flip side of it is the news stories and the legal troubles and like that stuff you know it's just gonna have to be innocent until proven guilty but then I think about how he reacted to his fight against um, Dustin Poirier, the last one where he lost, where he broke his leg. He was salty in a way that was just kind of very off-putting. And it's it's like, okay, you're in a lot of pain, and that's just how you're choosing to react, uh, out of anger and insulting and stuff. But then when I see him tweeting and, and you know still trying to, to talk, smack to other fighters it's like dude just stop please just stop like recover come back you're gonna have to work your way up to the top again you don't deserve a title shot right away just because you're conor mcgregor the name still has value but it doesn't mean what it used to be 
And when you look at people like Charles Oliveira, who worked their way up, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler, like, you can't just walk in and sit at the head of the table anymore. And I just really hope that we see a more humble and MMA-dedicated Conor McGregor next year when he's ready to fight again. You know, I think the Conor McGregor thing is so fascinating because, you know, for example, when you compare him, let's say, to Ronda and, you know, all the movies and the commercials and she was just such a big part of the greater pop culture conversation, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And, you know, the second she was done with MMA, she was done, period. Uh, That's always been very clear. Conor, I mean, I don't know. You know, when I think about Conor, you know what I think about? I remember having to go to specifically a BevMo to get proper 12 to gift Mm -hmm. to people. I can go through Walmart. I could go through the grocery store. And proper 12 is at every shelf right next to the Jameson. Mm. I mean, that was not possible when it first came out. And and I swear, I, I could go to like six places right now within five miles. They all have proper. And you know what? Uh, what was it? Six hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I see where how that stuff is everywhere, I believe it. When I see, you know, Justin Bieber has Connor uh, give him the award at the VMAs, and it's just such a big crossover thing. I mean, I believe it. I get it. Like it, when I think about his fame, somehow he is. He has reached a bit of the Floyd Mayweather conversation in that he's such a crossover star. People who don't watch fights know that this guy's a big deal. I've talked with plenty people of different ages. Oh, uh, I watched when the Irish guy fought. I know who they mean. You've <laughs> probably heard it. I, I get it. And so when I talk, when you talk about decline, I'm like, is it really a decline when you had a year where you pocketed 600 million ish? I'm going to just leave it at that. Now, in the cage, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say this. Uh, for sure, I think that a big part of it is um, I do think the time off. I do think, though, it comes down to the evolution. I think that Connor, when you looked at him at 45, when you looked at the landscape at the time at 55 and the way he was performing, I think the game its just reached a point, the evolution. I mean, when you look at how well-rounded Charles, Dustin, Gaethje, you know, Benil, all of these guys are and have gotten, you know, and Connor, you know, respectfully, his grappling, I'm not saying it had to get to the level of his boxing, but we know that that's always been the Achilles heel. And then when you talk about physicality and you look at what Dustin was able to do twice, it's really becomes this whole thing that it's like, you know, is Connor at 155? Could he still get the job done if he had to beat three or four of those guys in a row? Maybe once upon a time he could. Nowadays, especially coming off the injury, I don't know. And when you talk about the whole way that the Dustin Poirier trilogy played out, yeah, it's like, I'm sorry, but you would think that the Sean O'Malley one would be the most memorable Joe Rogan interview on the canvas. And then Conor McGregor was like a meme and said, hold my beer. Sorry, hold yeah. my whiskey. Uh-huh. And I was just like, no, really, that happened. Like, no, seriously, that happened. <laughs> so well, it's, it's certainly a- not a financial decline, right? Uh, of course. But I, I guess what I'm saying is I miss the Conor McGregor that was dedicated to being the best MMA fighter. 
He's not that anymore. We we can see why he's he's got his hands in a lot of different uh, wells there. I just feel like okay, if you're not going to dedicate yourself to being the best MMA fighter, and you you really should if you want to keep your your name alive, but maybe not. Maybe the whiskey and all that stuff. Maybe he's he's already you know bigger than MMA and will continue to be. But I don't think so. If you really want to get those belts back, get at least 55 belt back, like. You have to be dedicated to the MMA sport, the sport of MMA. And I just feel like he's too distracted and maybe doesn't even remember what, how much hard work it took to get there. And as far as saying, you know, the evolution of the game, like he's still really young. If Benil Dariush and everyone else can get better and stronger as they age through the UFC, like so can Conor McGregor. So I won't take that one as, a, as an excuse for him. I think he still can get better. And not that he needs to, you know, change camps or anything, but I think trying stuff out maybe here in the U.S., I know he was always dead set against it, but I think it's time to sort of test the U.S. waters and, and train somewhere else for a spell just to see what happens. I know he also talked, you know, like he's captain of his own ship for the, mm-hmm. la- for the last year. I do think that's something that's worth uh, addressing. Um, real quick, do you, I know Charles is shooting his shot and saying, I'm going to hold out and fight Connor in may in brazil i for the record i don't think that actually happens but i will say this i'm 90 percent sure it doesn't happen because of the timeline for connor's injury but i do want to ask you is there a scenario where charles Oliveira holds off and he doesn't fight if he knows he could get the connor mcgregor fight i don't think so the ufc they're i mean dana white matchmakers like they're smart they know that connor mcgregor coming back off a leg break looking the way he did against Sustin Poirier twice this year, isn't going to perform well against Charles Oliveira. Like, that's just not, it's not possible. He needs time in the cage. He needs time against someone who's not fresh off of defeating the man who beat him twice. So I think if the UFC knows what's good for their brands, Conor McGregor being one of them, they're not going to let that fight happen. Apart from the fact that, you know, he's not deserving of it. You can't come into a title fight off of two losses just because you're Conor McGregor. Not anymore. Justin Gaethje had that fight against Michael Chandler. Justin Gaethje's looking really good, as always. I mean, that's the fight that makes sense. Now, is Charles Oliveira the type of guy to dig his heels in and say, Conor or nothing? I don't think so either, dude. And if he did, we know the UFC isn't going to hesitate to make an interim belt and you know do the whole thing that they did at the heavyweight division. So... I really don't see Conor Charles Oliveira happening at all in 2022. I really don't. Agreed. I think that if... I respect it. Charles trying to make money and shoot his shot, as he should, as I encourage anybody in his position to do, any of the title holders. But yeah, I think that the math is just not there for Conor. If Conor had broken the leg in like January, maybe I would say, hmm... This might actually really all come together perfectly. It's just not. So, yeah, I think just on the timeline alone, that one kind of scraps it. But I respect Charles trying to make something happen and make money. So, But, yeah, I get what you're saying also. It's just a, at this point of the game, very bad matchup for Connor. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, one of the top ones, female fighter of the year. Uh, go ahead and talk to me about this woman, <laughs> Natalie. 
Well, and I'm gonna just yeah. be honest. I was really worried you were gonna pick against her, and I was like, "You're gonna do the thing you did last year." She's <laughs> a shoe in. I don't remember who I picked. Angela Hill. Wow, I oh, really am a fan of Angela Hill, aren't I? I know, but over Valentina Shevchenko. <laughs> Yeah, no. That, you know, it, it was, was COVID, her year. It was COVID time. It was COVID time. So that's all I can say. Is, is... Talk to me about the bullet. Valentina Shevchenko is going to be the best female fighter for a long time, I think. Um, because I don't see anyone coming in to beat her yet at the 125 division. Um, she just kind of like, you know, bulls through people. through people, excuse me. Let's see. Uh, and the Usman fight... Um, when you, when she fought after Weidman, as you correctly pointed out, she defeated Jessica Andrade in one of those really embarrassing ways, the same way she defeated Caitlin Shukagian, uh, which is a crucifix, round two, right? And it's, you know, Jessica Andrade is one of those fighters that has that, you know, you like to say that gangster, right? But the physicality, she's, a, she's kind of a brute as far as, you know, how she uses her body. It's a little bit old school, winging punches and whatnot, but it's effective. We saw what she did to Rose Namajunas, just using brute strength and, and will. But Valentina Shevchenko was like, nah, I got something else for you. Eat these elbows while I hold you in the crucifix position. Then Lauren Murphy, uh, and so, okay, so Jessica Andrade was May, Lauren Murphy in September. Lauren Murphy, you know, she earned her way to the title shot, and that's sort of what has happened in the flyweight division with Valentina where she's just uh, on at the end of a conveyor belt, right? And so if you're a big name, you get a shot. If you made it, if you won two or three in a row, you get a shot. And that's just it because she needs to fight somebody. This one lasts a little bit longer than we thought. Lauren Murphy's bigger. She fought a little more cautiously. Uh, but still, Valentina finished her round four, ground and pound. Like, just easy work, right? Sometimes it takes a little bit longer than others but it's always almost like can I dare say it's a guaranteed win at least for right now at least I, I'll go ahead and jinx myself and jinx her and say she's not going to lose in 2022 um, that's for sure so the most feared woman in the UFC yeah I would think so the most skilled mixed martial artist female mixed martial artist in the UFC yeah for sure so fighter of the year no doubt um, for you, this is your second time picking her. So what what uh, <laughs> what have you to add? I mean, for me, it, it would have been another toss-up had Amanda gotten the job done against Juliana. More yeah. or less for the fact of the way that Amanda took out Megan Anderson. Okay. Now, obviously, because, you know, and mind you, that was the whole jump in between weight classes and everything. Um, that out of the way, that kind of makes it easy to pick Valentina because she, uh, easily she's the best fighter to to use a phrase, hold serve in 2021. Um, simply just her dedication. I mean, she's doing what you're supposed to do when you're up against quote-unquote inferior competition. The only time she's ever had really like a hiatus, she still fought twice in the year with, um, uh, you know, 2020 with the Chukagian fight and the Jennifer Maya fight. And yeah, I mean, just her dedication... I like the fact that she's getting some of the shine from the Halle Berry movie Bruised on Netflix and everything. I think that she's, you know, look, we know she's the international woman of mystery and more power to her. She lives a very cool looking life on Instagram. Uh, by the way, have you seen her photos lately? 
No, I I'm haven't. I'm sorry. You gotta follow, go check her out on IG. I do follow er her, but I've just er been like staying a little. I've been doing IG light lately. You'd think she's like the queen of Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> I'm serious. She's just got the red Looking carpet now. everywhere. It's like freaking Will and Kate without Will going through. You know, it's like wow. just dude. She she's living a very charmed life right now. Um. I'm sure her plan is January, talk to UFC, give me a timetable, get back in the gym. But yeah, just her level of um, just where she's at and her consistency. And once again, that's full credit. Amanda was right there too up until two weeks ago. And it would have been a toss up. But Valentina holding through gets it. I think in 2022... I don't know. I mean, they if Caitlyn wins, uh, I believe she's on the January 15 card, Chukagian. She, I know it's going to feel like, hey, that was a one-sided fight. It was two years ago, but really, who else is there? And then when you talk about the other flyweights, I mean, Alexa Grasso, I think if she could get a signature win, she could be in the convo. Um, Tyler Santos, I think that she's that. If you were just going off a give me someone completely new it's between alexa and tyla and probably tyla even though she's had less time in ufc looks better um i think that tyla santos is gonna fight one more girl and they're gonna go with that one for the title um you always have someone like andrea lee coming up gets another big win and you know who knows where she's at and could be in that title picture too but for me it's really just about you know do I see someone beating Valentina first half of 2022? No. Could someone impress me and we have a big fight in the back half of the year? Yes. And that's what I'm waiting for. Okay. But yeah, in these first six months, it's kind of like, well, you know, uh, go ahead, Rocky. Let me see what you got. Because right now, it's very hard to see anybody taking out Valentina, just the way she's performing. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. And, and side note, I forgot about the, uh, the the Halle Berry movie. I did watch it when it came out. I really liked it. I enjoyed it quite a lot. But Halle Berry is just like a superb actress. And uh, I was uh, disappointed. I guess I expected Valentina Shevchenko to be in it more, to have more of a presence. But I think they played it smartly by not giving her like a Ivan Drago, you know, making her an Ivan Drago character. Like she was the... Uh, she was the the champion that Halle Berry needed to fight, but that wasn't the biggest battle, right? Like there were way more things that Halle Berry had to overcome just to get to the fight. So did a good job. I think what was her name? It was a kind of unexpected name. Lady choice. Killer. Yeah, you know, she was Lady Killer, but it was like Lucy Lucia Gomez or Lucy something. Lucy Lawless or something. <laughs> I, like, I forget. I was like, okay, so they're not making her, you know, like Eastern European, but they they did make her be based out of Argentina, which you know. Based on like her, you know, fair skin and blonde hair, I think they did the proper, you know, geographic uh, association because that sort of matches up with how the folks look there. So someone was was looking at the map and and picking uh, picking wisely. So I'll give them props for that too. I like the movie overall, though. I know that's not what we're talking about, but I just had to say that because it was really good. Yeah, I, I just found it funny. Even in a movie, Valentina doesn't lose. <laughs> Like it said, uh, okay, Halle Berry's going to beat Valentina Shevchenko. And spoiler alert, I think it ends with a decision for Valentina or like a yeah. draw. It yeah. Was a, she was the, the decision, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, Look, you know, even mean, in the movie, she doesn't take nah. out. Halle Berry was like, nah, no one's going to believe that. 
yeah. I can't beat Valentina exactly Shevchenko. like come on now mm. I could believe that Halle beat Gabby Garcia but Valentina Shevchenko nah yeah yeah <laughs> um fighter male fighter of the year I don't want to you know I, I feel like you could put Valentina in the convo for overall but um uh to go with mine um uh, Kamara Usman I mean I think he's the first champion in over five years to actually as reigning champion fight three times in the calendar year so all three were title fights all three were title defenses knocks out gilbert burns in round two knocks out jorge masvidal round two and goes to decision takes it against colby covington in november um i believe 15 victories in a row now anderson silva is the only person with more at 16 when you think about the level of opposition he's faced, when you think about his road to get there, um, I mean, his record, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he's beaten Leon Edwards. I want to say he's even fought Vicente Luque. I have to double check that. But um, the fact is, you look at this guy's record, you look at this guy's run, I know that there's a level of nostalgia for GSP. I, I really get it. I really do. But I think that when you look at this guy's numbers, he has not fought Luke yet. No. Okay. Yeah, but um, the fact is, when you look at Kamaru and just what he's doing right now, it, it's hard to deny that he's not doing something very special, very historic. And I know that sometimes that's not as celebrated because he's not fighting as many new names. You know, it's been rematch, 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 pretty much. I think that if he takes out like a Leon and Luque this year, he could retire on top and I'd be like, you know what? What else is there? Like, not really. I mean, he's round robined the guys up at the top in the top five. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, if he wants to do, like, let's say Hamzad is there at the end of next year, that would be cool too. But really, if, at this point, it's like, sweep the board, take out Hamzat. Kamaru, I need to see nothing more. You've officially won the game. Like, he'd be at 17 in a row, 18 in a row. I mean, what else do you want him to do? So, that's what I like. I just, um, it's historic. And... Great champion, conducts himself well. Loves speaking with him. I covered all of the fights that he was at this year. Just a really nice guy. Nothing but good things to say. And just very well-earned, hard-fought fighter of the year for me. Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent pick. I think that's a got to be top forever for most folks who, who, who are doing a look at the year as, as far as MMA is concerned. Uh, I was close to picking Kamaru, too. For all the reasons you laid out, especially defending three times in a year, winning three times in a year, that's that's really big. Like, yeah, I'm trying to think, when's the last time that happened? Maybe Ronda Rousey? Did she do three three title defenses in a year? I think I she who, tried. She tried? Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, my pick, though, is actually Charles Oliveira. So he, he didn't uh, fight three times this year. He fought two times, but he capped off 2020 with a real decisive win over Tony Ferguson, making Tony Ferguson look like a, a, you know, a shadow of the former fighter he was. And then we saw the big fight for the, in, uh, what was it interim actually, right? It was already no, vacated. Yeah, it was vacated, yeah. yep. 
against Michael Chandler. That was May 2021, a close first round. You know, Michael Chandler almost has him out. Oliveira just just doesn't even, he's not even phased by it, comes back, you know, defeats uh, Michael Chandler like like right away in round two. He's like, I think I'm ready to, uh, to finish you now. So here we go. So super impressive. Then we see what he did to Dustin Poirier. Like, defeating Dustin Poirier, rear naked choke, round three, that's impressive. That's really impressive, right? So it's a spectacular career that Charles Oliveira has built. I'm looking at his record, and, like, you know, if you go to Topology and you scroll through the, the records, it's like green, red, green, red. This is green all the way till 2017. That's the last time he lost, December 2017 to Paul Felder. That's, like, crazy, right? He has all these stats that we saw that they highlighted before his fight with Dustin Poirier, submission stats, you know, some uh, bonus stats. Like, this is a really special dude. I don't want to say nobody saw him coming because everyone could see how special he was every time he fought. But it is unexpected considering that last year when we're talking about the top five at 155, all the killers at 155, Charles Oliveira was not part of that conversation. Justin Gaethje, uh, Tony Ferguson was uh, not part of that conversation anymore either, but we had Khabib. Um, Michael Chandler wasn't part of it yet because he hadn't come in. You still had Connor, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, I already mentioned him. Like It was no one saw this coming, right? When he got paired up against Michael Chandler, maybe he had better chance of, you know, the odds were probably in his favor more than they would have been against, say, Dustin or Justin for that vacated belt. But then the way he dismantled Dustin, man, like just just a killer, dude, a true killer with no quit in him. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does against got to be Justin Gaethje. So I'm looking forward to that one whenever they do that. And Brazil would be would be pretty swell, but, you know, wherever they do it. Yeah, you know what? Um, my big thing with um, Charles is the fact that it, it didn't look like he was going to be the one to get there, right? It looked like after all the work he's done, you know, started very young and he had ups and downs and he did the 45 thing. And it just felt like this run, just for whatever reason, doesn't seem destined to end with the UFC championship. And the fact is, like I said, for news story of the year, that that just wasn't true. And he puts it together. I got to ask him about that thing that you told, you know, that you just brought up. And, you know, this this time two years ago, we weren't talking about Charles. You know, he was on a good run, but we we knew who it was about. It was about Tony Habib. Dustin's there, Justin's there, Connor's there. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't, we weren't talking about Charles Oliveira. It was going to be some combination of these four or five guys, and they're going to lock it up. And, you know, I asked Charles, and he said, you know, like, I just had my faith. I knew it would happen. And, you know, he told me faith is something that you got to have constant, you know, like, you got to be there in the good times and the bad times. Like, you can't just be like, oh, you know, like stop believing when things are going good because then you're gonna he said it's kind of like um uh the ferris wheel goes up and it goes down and he said for me that's really what got me there and so that was one of the more powerful moments i know at a press conference i had with the fighter listening to him tell me that story and yeah for me like i I love the charles Oliver story i think for anybody who didn't have that quick 
you know, like John Jones rocket ship straight up to the top. I think everyone can appreciate the effort that it took him to get there. And not for nothing, he is just whooping some butt. I mean, he's just performing so well, like you said, against Poirier, against Chandler and rally back. Um, he's been a great one to watch for sure. And um, look, he gets if the Tony Ferguson fight happened in January 2021, I'd probably want to go Charles too. But it's just not meant to be. And um, look, I'm looking forward to everything. I want to see him fight Gaethje. I want to see him fight whoever he fights after that. Title, no title. I think it's good stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, that leaves us with only one category. The one that matters. The one that people are probably debating all day, all year, trying to figure (laughs) out who they're going to give it to. The fight of the year. There were many. There were many great ones. The great ones were many this year. (laughs) Natalie, I'm going to let you go ahead and close it out. Who was your pick for fight of the year? So fight of the year, my pick is Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. This one happened very early in 2021. It was January 16th, in fact. What was cool about this, apart from the fight, which I'll get into, is that it aired on on UFC. It aired on ABC, on over here, Channel 7. Which was cool because I could like tell people, hey, put it on Channel 7. Like You're going to watch a killer fight. Network television. Network television, yes, sir. And you know, we've just seen Max Holloway in, in the, at the end of 2019, in 2020, lose twice to Alexander Volkanovsky. So lose the belt, then you know, not able to win it back. And you, know, you can have your whatever opinion on, on should he have won, should he have gotten the decision or not. But it was... You know, this was Max Holloway, invincible Max Holloway, who just lost twice to Alexander Volkanovsky. Then he gets a fight against Calvin Cater. This is like coming off of COVID lockdowns. He says he didn't even, he couldn't even go to the gym. He was just doing Zoom with his coach from home, just kind of doing his own thing. He has long hair. I mean, this is a Max Holloway we hadn't seen before. And he gets in the cage and he just starts making like a um and what's the word i'm trying to look for well it's a master class right it's a master class he puts on a performance against calvin cater that just showcases every single amazing mma you know tool that max holloway has he's punching and boxing and bobbing and weaving like never before he's even talking to dc to daniel cormier from the you know the commentary booth and it was, I wouldn't say it's like a one-sided fight, but it really was a showcase for Max Holloway. Calvin Cater was certainly in there. I mean, it went to decision, so Max Holloway didn't you know, knock him out or hurt him enough so that Calvin Cater couldn't fight back. But it was just a phenomenal fight for Max Holloway. Really showed us that we had more exciting things to look forward from him for the, for the, for the remainder of, his, you know, his, of the year and his career. So thrilling fight. I know I'm taking it way back to the beginning of the year, but that for me was fight of the year. It was just rock'em sock'em for Max Holloway. I mean, I, I appreciate the love for Max. I'm wondering if you're, how much consideration did you give the Max Yair fight? That was a good fight too, but but for me, what won me over for picking Max versus Calvin versus Max versus Yair is that. Max just owned that fight for five rounds. Now, he obviously, 
beat Yair, but it was a tougher fight. And now, <laughs> why would you pick an easier win for Max to, as fight of the year? I wouldn't say it was easier, but I just got to see Max do everything you know he can do. It was just, for me, the more exciting fight, frankly, and that's why I picked it. Okay, very fair. Uh, you know what? Uh, obviously, like you remember that at the commentary, and he's like, "I'm the best boxer in the UFC," and he's looking at DC while you know hitting Calvin Cater in the face, and I'm like, "WT? What?" I mean, you know, just he was dialed in in a zone that we even for the great ones we rarely see. And now, mind you, that's not the smartest way to fight, but since he pulled it off successfully, we could all say, "Dude, that was crazy." Like, he did that. Um, you know, I mean, I can't really add more to that. Uh, I think I said it. It was the most exciting, at least watching it live. If you know the result, it probably takes away from your investment in it. But watching it live, it was probably the most exciting one-sided fight I've ever seen. Just because it felt like Max was Max had stopped worrying about outfighting Calvin and Max is starting to try to outfight Max. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you think about the re- that sentence, th- then you understand just what kind of zone he was in to try to outdo the way he was fighting. Uh, you know, when he knew this one was clearly in the bag and, uh, you know, what did they say? Like a record number of strikes landed, something like that. Uh, I can't remember if you brought it up. You explained it so well. But, um... Yeah, you put all that together. I mean, that was a great one. I mean, I liked it. Look, we had like the whole stretch of like four or five weeks of just bangers. I mean, uh, Costa, Vittori. Then you had Sanhagen, Jan. Then you had Gaethje, Chandler. Then you had uh, Yair and Max. And it was like, what? You know, like, it, it was just like a month. And it's like, oh, well, that, that's that got to be fight of the year right there, right? Um, and, and it was just wild. I had to go with the one that just lived up to the hype. I was there. And, uh, you know, like, if you heard me tell the story, I'm sorry, I'm telling it again. We have Alex Pereira in the back at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> And he just, you know, jumping knee knockout. He, you know he's knocked out Israel out of Sanya. He's probably going to be skyrocketing up the ranks. And then Gaethje and Chandler are just banging. And I'm probably about to ask a question after John Morgan. And then Gaethje lands the uppercut and knocks down Michael Chandler. And I forgot Alex Pereira was even in the room. <laughs> I'm a just, I'm sorry, bro. You kicked some butt. That was a beautiful knockout. But we were all just like, I remember we talked to Shane Burgos who won afterward and he's like, what was it like watching? And he said, I'm warming up in the back. And then he just is like, I keep looking at the TV and then he just does like the mouth, like gasping, like, mm-hmm. like, bro, they're doing that right now. And um, I've explained it like, like it brought the building to a 10 and we couldn't stay hot. Like, people just slowed down and the Cheeto-Frankie fight and then the Billy Q fight with Shane and just people ran out of gas. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but you just threw all the gas onto the charcoal and it just couldn't stay that hot for another two hours. Yeah. It was just so good. It was such a weird experience, but it was a good one. Um, They said they were going to bring it. You knew a title shot is most likely on the line. Um... 
And then Gaethje does what Gaethje does, and he just outlasts them. They get a little tired, and okay, if you go with, like, Yair versus Max, because all five rounds they were really bringing it, I get it, but I just remember the experience is what brought that one over the top. More so than, I think, if you were there and you just happened to enjoy Yair and Max live. I think um, the context of it all really was what elevated uh, the... Gaethje and Chandler fight so when you got a banger that just lives up to the hype like that with the setting they had it's hard to not give it to them you know what I mean yeah the the energy was extra special because it was the start of the pay-per-view you wouldn't normally get a card start off with such big names now reminder because I just forgot but I remembered right now is you know Trevor Whitman who coaches Justin Gaethje Rose Dominguez and Kamara Usman um, well, they were all fighting that same night. So they they moved Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler to the opening spot, and they just came out on fire, man. They had, yeah, a lot. I mean, everything on the line, a lot to prove, and they just went after it. And Chandler gave it all he could to knock out Gaethje, but he couldn't. He, he didn't have enough. I mean, like, he can only give so much, and Gaethje's just impossible to knock out. I mean, he really is. So it was super, super exciting. The energy was ridiculous, like the roar of the crowd just sitting at home, and it's like, well, this is the first fight. And then, yeah, of course, after it's over, oh, <laughs> we got two more fights, and who's fighting? Billy Billy Q? You know, great fight. That was a great fight. It was a great fight. I totally, totally was a great fight. Marlon Barra flipping off Frankie Edgar, like, great fight. Rose Namajunas going the distance with Wei Li. It was close. Great fight. Kamaru Colby going the distance. But you start off your pay-per-view with Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler going to war. Man, like, that's, again, it's one of those fights I always say, like, you would have paid pay-per-view just to watch that. And, and it was the first fight in the, in the, at the start, you know, out the gate. Super killer fight. You know, Chandler doing that thing that, you know, you only see when someone's really, they don't really have a lot of options left, but they still have enough enough wits about them to to want to get the crowd involved and he's standing there saying like come on come after me let's go he doesn't have any answers for Gaethje but but he still put on a good show you got to respect that yeah I mean look good stuff fun show I mean it was just such a fun one I mean Peter and Corey I mean you really just watching Peter yawn just break the will of a person that that's always cool I said it like the damage going at it for five rounds with Marvin and Paolo Costa. That was pretty epic. Yair and Max, I mean, uh, my friend Alex Wendling, she said that was probably fight of the year. Just the level of martial arts in that one. There's just so much good stuff. Kind of like knockout of the year. There's just so much good stuff. I mean, you know, we could sit here for an hour and be like why all of them were pretty good and... You know, if you want, if you tell me you liked a little bit more of the level displayed as opposed to the carnage, I completely get it. It was such a fun month. Like, literally, that was like the best of times, best time to be an MMA fan, if you ask me. Because most of those were on free TV. Like, if you're a regular fan who usually has to pay pay-per-view, you got all of that for the price of admission, like with your subscription for ESPN. So, it, it was just a great time. But yeah, you know, it, it was just such a good one there. And yeah, like you said, just uh, Holloway and Cater. That was another fun one. There were a couple other good ones in there just splattered throughout. But 
for sure. It was just a great year for fights and certainly just a lot to pick from. And Natalie, can you believe that's it? Ryzen, they'll throw down. But really, you know, Bellator, UFC, PFL, it is officially over for 2021. Um, We don't have to rush our goodbye for the year. But Natalie, just what do you... I mean, talk to me. What are some of the things you're looking forward to 2022? I mean, we went through a whole show. John Jones is out there. I mean, you got the... Kayla Harrison, PFL, where will she go out there? You've got um, title fights and options all throughout the UFC going on. I mean, what are you looking forward to? So right out the gate, I'm looking forward to Brandon Figueredo. Brandon Figueredo. Brandon Moreno versus Davison Figueredo. Um, then I'm looking forward to seeing or to hearing where Kayla Harrison lands because that was big talk in December. And, you know, a lot of fodder for, for us, uh, you know, folks that talk about MMA, where she's going to go, what it means, what does, you know, signing here or a win here for someone else mean for Kayla. So I want to know where that goes. I'm not interested in what happens with John Jones. I, don't, I still don't think we're going to hear from him for a while. Uh, I am curious to find out when Conor McGregor is going to be back. I hope not till the end of 2022 because, come on now, these injuries need time. Holly Holm, I'm looking forward to her coming back because of what that could mean to the 135 division now that Juliana Pena is a champion. And, um, yeah, there's just so much going on. I I can't, you know, I'm not going to try to put it all here in now, but there's a lot. There's a lot going on. We are lucky to be alive and to be fans of MMA at this, uh, at this, at this juncture. No, for sure. I mean, for me, that lightweight division, I mean, Charles, Justin, Benil, Islam, Dustin's still there. Uh-huh. Michael Chandler's still out there. Tony's still out there. Just so much to enjoy there. Um, I, I still, uh, I mean, there's more caution and trepidation. I'll admit that now, but I st- you still know that if they announce John Jones versus the winner of Nganu and Gone you know, Sunday morning after the fight, everyone's going to be ready and we're going to be discussing it. It's just going to go in circles, we know. And I know he's been on social media and all that. And that's part of the story, right? Like, can this guy who's done this and we see him doing that, like, can he get back to the unquestioned top spot in the sport? That's so much of the big question and the appeal of it. And I think that's why there's a lot of hype. Um when you talk about the girls i mean like where do we go next with rose and valentina i mean volkanovsky he performed so well and what is it max is it i'm seeing zabit he's posting stuff like soon and i'm like what i thought it was (laughs) over it's not i mean there's just so much um kamaru in 170 what are we gonna do there like how long is he out and now you got Bilal Muhammad, you got Hamzat, you got the usual suspects. I mean, Izzy and Rob, I mean, if Adesanya beats Whitaker, what's left? I mean, dude, it's just so much going on. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think that we're going to have a very interesting two months, that January, February swing, especially from pay-per-view to pay-per-view. And then, you know what? It is open season, Natalie. 
when, where, how, what. We'll get into all of that. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say thank you for listening, if you do. I know we are not the Joe Rogan experience. We are not DC and Helwani. We are not Helwani and Helwani. We are not (laughs) Luke Thomas. And pick some of your other people that you guys are more familiar with. I know we're not them. And I just appreciate everyone, you know, like I see it. I know that it's not just, you know, my mom and dad who listen. There are other people who tune into our show. And I just appreciate it, uh, whether it's because, you know, from whether you just like the show, whether you see the interviews and you just see me posting. uh, I appreciate all of it. And I just want to say thank you. I know I don't do that often. And Natalie, we did another year of MMA Daily and we crossed, I believe, the 200 show mark. It's been amazing. Um, it just thank you for joining me long for the ride, my friend. It's always a pleasure. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm uh, happy and grateful and honored to be uh, the other end of uh, on the other end of the uh, of the microphone here with you. Double G and 200. Oh, boy, we should get a T-shirt or something. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to get one of those LED hats. Oh, so okay. it's like when I'm doing interviews, it's like, you know, listen to MMA Daily on Apple. <laughs> It'll be like very Jake Paul-esque, you know what yeah, I mean? I like that. I like that. Like, sure, I couldn't get a robot, but I could get the thing the robot would be promoting. <laughs> I, I think like that's it. a great way to close it out. Um, like I said, guys, um, I'm not sure we may be back before the first uh, sh- uh, UFC card of the year. If not, we'll definitely be back for the night after to recap everything, discuss the latest in news. So, yeah. Be sure we're not done. We'll be back soon. Until then, happy holidays. Be safe. Stay healthy. Have a great one.